Welcome to The Human Perspective, a podcast with the internationally recognized badass disability rights activist, Judy Human. This episode, Judy interviews Jose Andre Montano, a disabled piano prodigy. Jose is a self-taught musician who has performed internationally since the age of six. Enjoy Judy and Jose's discussion about his deep love of music and his journey thus far. And you'll get to hear Jose play the piano twice in this episode. The Human Perspective is produced by me, Kylie Miller, and Judy Human. So let's roll up, lay down, dance around, whatever makes you feel best, and let's meet this episode's guest. So I'd like to welcome everyone back to the human perspective. And I'm going to say again how happy I am to have today's guest because we try to bring you people that not only Kylie and I think are very interesting, but at the end of the day that you also enjoy learning from. So today we're going to be speaking with Jose Andre Montano. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? Uh, This is Jose Andre. I am so honored. It's my pleasure to be able to be here at the human perspective. Thank you so much to my friend Judy Human for the invitation and also to my friend Kylie Miller. So maybe we can tell our audience a little bit more about you before I ask you to play a little music for us. So my husband, the audience may not know, but his name is Jorge and Jorge and Jose and his family and I and his teacher when he was seven years old first met. How old are you now? Yeah, yeah. I'm 17. You're 17. Um, Jose, you came from where? I was originally born in Bolivia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I lived there for a little bit. And then I came to the U.S. when I was about eight or nine, if I'm not mistaken. And I've been living here ever since. When did you start playing piano? Uh, I started when I was five years old. I always uh, wanted to play the drums. I was a drummer before when I was like four. But then I uh, discovered the piano because I I accidentally started to play the keyboard to explore. And I've been exploring the keys and getting into it. And accidentally, I I became a keyboardist. I really wanted to be a drummer, but I accidentally became a keyboardist because I love the way the piano sounded. And every time I play it brings me joy and happiness. Something inside me changes a lot. It changes a lot. I think this is a great introduction because whenever I hear you play and Kylie and I were fortunate enough to hear you play at a fundraiser for the Woolly Mammoth Theater a few months ago. And so for our audience, are you going to play a little bit now and at the end? Is there a name to what you're going to play or is this something that you've written? Uh, This is one of my arrangements that I really love playing and hopefully you enjoy it so much because I will do it from the bottom of my heart to all of you. And exclusively for you, Judy, and for all the audience of the human perspective, uh, this is called My Favorite Things.
That's great. Yeah, thank you very much, Judy. I'm glad you enjoyed it. No, it's more than enjoying it. I think your music's amazing, Jose. So I want people to get to know you a little bit more. Jose is a high school student. Is that correct, Jose? Yeah, I go to Duke Ellington School of the Arts. What is the Duke Ellington School for our audience? Yeah, Duke Ellington School is basically a school that features talented uh, musicians and basically artists because we have different departments and everybody at the school is an artist. So I'm really happy to, to be there and I feel included there and it's a great experience. It's a performing arts school, is that right? Yeah, it is a performing arts school, yeah. In the performing arts school, are you learning regular subjects like English and history as well as music? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got academic subjects and also we got our arts block. So it's like equally important and it's a very busy schedule, but it's very, very worth it. What was it like for you when you first started going to school in the U.S.? It was definitely a great experience from the beginning because I was able to make excellent friends and good relationships when I came in. And I didn't know the language, but I was able to pick it up really fast and I was able to, to learn. So uh, I feel very happy here and I'm very grateful with this country. Conchita Hernandez, who is a friend of mine and Jorge's, was your first teacher, right? Who um, is blind herself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Conchita was a very important person to me in my life. Uh, she was the first teacher that I had in my elementary years. And she taught me things that I still do until now and I still apply until now. And I am so grateful to her as well and to the other teachers that have been a part of this journey. What year are you in school? I'm a rising junior right now. I finished my sophomore year, but I'm almost a junior. Jose, maybe you can talk a little bit about what it was like while you were doing school virtually. Well, yeah, it was a very good experience because I prepared myself two summers ago. I was learning how to use uh, Zoom and also Microsoft Teams. I also like have my own home studio at home and my mixer that I can play sound effects as well. And it was great. I had a really fun time. I didn't have any problem at all. That's great. Are you happy to be back from school? Oh, yeah. I'm very happy to be able to be back in person. Uh, my sophomore year has been, it's been really good. I got this award that I'm very happy to share with you about. Yeah, talk to us about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's called the Duke Express. And it's for the ones that had one of the most highest grades at school. So it has been a lot of effort and also dedication because you got to be dedicated to your goals and whatever you want to do because the school keeps me busy all the time, but it's very worth it. I'm wondering, are you beginning to think about what you're going to do when you leave high school? Are you wanting to go on to college? Yeah, I, I, I want to go to college. I think that's a very good option. I still need to think a little bit more about that but I think I'm going to be going into college. Do you think at all about places like Berkeley School of Music or Juilliard or other schools? Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard of those schools and they're really good. I'm not sure which school I'm going to go to, but it's one more year to do it. Yeah, but I've, I've heard of a lot of schools that I can go to and I'm very happy that I'm going to have the opportunity to apply. Absolutely. So do you have a piano instructor? Uh, yeah, I currently work uh, with my mentor, Cyrus Chestnut. I've been 
working with him in harmonies and improvisation and also a little bit of composition. He taught me a lot. And yeah, he's a great inspiration. I'm very excited to be able to work with him. Where did you get who gave you your first keyboard? Well, I, I got my first keyboard when I was uh, five. My dad uh, bought it to me. And, and then when I got it, I wouldn't want it to stop playing. And like I said earlier, I've explored a lot of the instrument. And I got into it for like a couple of months. I wouldn't like anyone to stop. And like, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't like anyone to stop achieving their dreams and pursue your dreams. That's how I get into the keyboard. It sounds like your parents are very special people and very much support your work. Oh, yeah, of course. They, they've been very, very special people to me. You want to talk a little bit about that, what they've done to support your work? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, all I can say is that they've done a lot for me to grow as a person and a musician. And I, I will always be grateful and I would always be happy with my life. So it feels to me like music is just inside you and it sings all the time. How many hours a day do you play? Uh, it really depends. On weekends, I play more often, probably like an hour a day. And during school years, I have homework. So I only have a chance to practice like half an hour, but I try to do it like an hour a day. So it's very productive. Do you listen to music a lot? Oh, yeah. I practice all the time with that because I'm a really good listener. And I listen to a lot of music when I'm having a free time. It's so good to be able to do that. Are there any other musicians in your family? My dad used to play in a band when he was in college. He used to play the bass, but now he does it as a hobby. He still plays a little bit, but not often. But for now, I'm, I'm the only musician, you know. Do you always play solo or do you play with others also? I love playing with other musicians as well. I have my own trio and I also play with other young musicians because I have a bunch of friends that are young too and we make our own bands and jam session all the time and I feel really happy. I feel so happy to be able to know them and to play with them. Are they part of Duke Ellington or are they from other places also? Some of them are from Duke Ellington and some of them are also from different places. They're actually, most of them are in college, but uh, some of them are in high school. So yeah, I'm always open to know a lot of people, all kinds of people. What types of instruments do the people play that um, you work with in the band? In my trio, I have a piano, a bass, and drums. Okay. But I sometimes use a horn, uh, so that makes it a quartet. I usually use a saxophone or a trombone, whoever is available at the time. But mostly I have drums, bass, and piano. Are you writing more and more of your own music? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I compose every time. When I feel inspired by something, I just get the melody inside of my heart, and then I, I go to the piano and start working on it. I'm actually writing a, a tune right now, currently writing a tune, so I don't ever stop doing it. What types of music do you like to play? I like to play a lot of kinds of music. I love jazz, but also Brazilian music like samba and bossa nova and Bayan, Fuho. It's so, so good. Uh, there are a lot of styles in Latin America because I've been getting into Uruguayan styles like candombe and murga, milongon. So I'm very open to any kind of style. I always try to be versatile as a player. Is music playing in your head a lot? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, music can be 
playing in my head all the time. Even if I'm in the shower or anything like that, I always have music, you know? Uh-huh. And I always like play drums inside the table. You know, I'm, I'm just like that. You have played in many parts of the world. Maybe you could talk to us a little bit about how that started. Do you remember the first time you played outside of the United States? As far as I can remember, the first time that I played uh, outside of the U.S. was in Peru. I went to a conservatory there and I met new musicians. And then I went to Brazil. There are probably a lot of places that I played outside before then, but I can't remember at the moment. But uh, those two are were the, the first two places I've been that I can remember. And then I, I went to a lot of other countries after that. So you just said that you went to conservatory. What did you learn there? I mean, why did you go to the conservatory? And what was its benefit for you? I learned a lot of advanced language and a lot of uh, rhythms and also theory. And it really helped me because then I could be a better musician. And it really helped me to grow as a player because now I can play a, a bunch of rhythms and a whole different type of style, you know, a lot of types of styles. Do you ever get nervous when you're going to give a performance? Uh, no, most of the times I don't get nervous because I really like stage and it is my life. It's my passion. And that's what I love to do. As a musician, I always love performing and giving my art. You have a beautiful sense of confidence. And it really shows every time I hear you play. You're very mature in many ways. Words that you say and the emotion in your music. It's really quite beautiful. Do you work with any other young people um, who are interested in music with or without disabilities? Uh, yeah, I've worked with a lot of people. And I also uh, have friends that are uh, having a disability as well. Some of them I, I can mention probably. Sure. Uh, there's my friend Matthew Whitaker, who also plays the piano. And he is blind as well. And we've been closed for many years now I haven't played with him but I I also heard him play at concerts and it's been a really fun thing and like I said before I'm I'm open to work with all musicians in the world the world is your oyster right yes sir yeah really great do you ever play any other instruments uh yeah I still play drums for fun and also I play melodica and other types of percussion instruments like Bongo, yembe, and I've been trying to play a Peruvian instrument called cajon peruano, and I think I'm pretty good with that. Can you explain that instrument? Yeah, it's basically a, a thing that you sit on. There are like a couple things that you hit with your hands, and you can make all kinds of rhythms with it. It's a really typical instrument from, from Peru. Well, for the audience, we're going to get you a picture of it, and we'll give you a description of it because Kylie and I are looking at each other and kind of quizzically going, uh, we've not seen this instrument. Yeah, no, it, it's not really commonly played, but it's a really interesting instrument to be able to practice with. When you're performing, Jose, do you ever play anything but the piano? In some performances, I've played melodica before, but mostly I play piano and uh, keyboards. I use my organ Hammond sometimes. I haven't used that lately. So I know that you've played in prestigious festivals and venues all over the world, as I was saying. You've also played for Pope Francis. Uh, did you meet the Pope? I haven't met him in person because he wasn't there when I played for him. 
but it was a really great tribute to him at the Kennedy Center at the concert hall. Oh, I see. Yeah, it was a tribute for him that I got to do. And if I'm not mistaken, an orchestra from Uruguay was also playing that night. It was an impressive experience. So you honored him in your performance. Yeah. I do hope someday, if you wish, that you do get to play for him. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it would be a, a great thing. Hopefully one day I, I can do that. So tell us about what you're interested in when you think about your future. Uh, what are some of your fantasies of what you would like to do? What I would like to do when I grow up is to be able to be a mentor for young people like me and also to be a piano teacher. I basically got the inspiration from my mentor, Cyrus Chestnut, as well. And I feel that this would be a, a great thing to do. I still would be able to do concerts and be a music in general. How often do you perform publicly? I usually do it once a month or twice a month because of the school and homework and stuff. Uh, but also I do fishing. I love to fish. It's probably one of my favorite things to do. And also I love riding horses and going to the pool with my friends to have an amazing time and swim, you know. What does friendship mean to you? Friendship means everything to me because it means that life is beautiful if you love your differences. And it means that people are listening to each other no matter what. And that's why I like to be friends with anyone who permits me to be in their path. It's very nice. You know, this is Disability Pride Month. I'm wondering, did you know that? Oh, I, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that. So I'm wondering, do you feel proud of who you are, including your disability and why? Oh, yeah, of course. I feel like you don't have to fear and you don't have to be afraid of who you are because you can go through obstacles all the time in your life. And the life is a trip, a whole journey with adventures and also obstacles. So I feel proud of who I am and I feel, I feel happy with what I achieve in my life. What types of obstacles have you experienced and how have you addressed those? I've went through a lot of obstacles. I can't remember all of them at the moment, but I don't really need to because I feel that as I went through all of them, I got stronger and stronger. And I got also very, very happy. And it's like fighting a war. You have to fight until the end. So do you still feel like you're fighting in the war? Sometimes, yeah. But I think I succeed and I feel that um, everything is going great for me so far. So yeah, that's why I feel very happy about myself. I think everything will continue to go really beautifully for you, Jose, because of the amazing music that you play and create. You recently performed at the National Federation of the Blind. Is that correct? I was at the convention a couple of days ago in New Orleans. I didn't necessarily get to play, but I got to meet 3,000 blind people. I mean, I got to be with 3,000 people together at the convention, and I got to meet a lot of good friends from all over the country. I got in touch with most of them. It was a great experience, but I also heard some great music in the streets. I would never forget this street called Bourbon Street. Music in every place, like literally if you go to that street, you would have a good time because in every restaurant, there is music. That's why you're wearing a t-shirt that says New Orleans. 
Yeah, of course. What were some of the things that you valued about being at the NFB conference? Uh, the most important thing I value from being there at, at the conference is knowing new people and new friends because I got I get to extend my relationships and also to be a, a part of my community more and more. Do you see yourself as a leader in this community? Uh, yeah, I would love to help whenever I can and I can contribute. I, I definitely would be down to do that. I don't necessarily have to be a leader, but if I got that own honor, I would be very excited for that. You're certainly a leader in many different ways. Um, did you meet other musicians at the NFB convention? Uh, yeah, I got, I got to meet most of the musicians, like um, a lot of musicians there at New Orleans. Most crazy thing is that in every restaurant, they somehow knew me and like they felt that I was there because I was enjoying the music. And then they were like, Jose is in the house. It was so insane. I really feel like it's the paradise for me because music is my environment, you know? I got to see the Delphio Marsalis Sextet at this um, snug jazz club. It was so much fun. So a real opportunity for you to be in New Orleans, which is the land of jazz, right? Yeah, of course. It's the land of jazz, yeah. Hello, announcing an exciting event. The Engineering Health Lab at the Kite Research Institute, University Health Network, is hosting a virtual conference on National Parks Accessibility in Canada. This free event will take place from August 23rd to 25th, 2022. Creating an accessible event is important to the organizers, and so they are considering the needs of the attendees throughout all steps of the planning process. Please visit their website to register at parkaccessibilityconference.ca. They look forward to seeing you all there, and I personally hope you enjoy it. Who are some of your role models, Jose? Oh, well, um, so some of my role models in, in music? Yes. Okay. Well, I have a lot of inspirations. Uh, basically, I listen to a lot of rhythms and a lot of different cultures, but some of them uh, that I can mention are Oscar Peterson, and also Art Tatum. And I've been listening to a lot of Michelle Camilo and Christian Sands. Have you met any of them? Yeah, I've met Cam Camilo in, in Blue Note in New York. It was a really fun time because uh, he was playing with uh, his trio there. And I was very excited because it was like a surprise for me. Did you get to talk to them? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked to him at the backstage before the gig. We hugged each other. We talked to each other. Yeah, he's a very nice guy, an excellent musician, and but also a humble person. And I got to meet some of my other inspirations as well, like Rick Reed and Herbie Hancock. You have this statement on your website, which says, I feel happiness and joy when I play the piano because music is life for me. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Well, music really helps me to grow in every way because whenever I hear music, I feel like I've always uh, be better as a person. And it really helped me at school as well because it, it helps me to do my work in a good time and focus more. You know, it's hard to describe because music is my passion and love. It helps me in various ways. I think music can be very healing. Yeah, that's true. It could be really healing. And that's why I listen to a lot of kinds of music. Yes. Do you listen to classical music? Do you play classical music at all? 
yeah, when when I was little, I started to listen to classical music, uh, mostly Beethoven and Chopin. And at school, I'm taking piano technique, and it's only classical. So that helped me expand my repertoire a little bit more. But I've always been a fan of classical music and not just jazz, because I love rock and heavy metal as well. And uh, I'm just open to any anyone and anything. Do you do show music at all? Like musicals? I did play the musical that you got to listen to in, in the Woolly Mammoth Theater. Uh, all right. But that was my first time that um, I've done a, a musical. As far as I can remember, maybe I've done others, but I can't remember now. Have you gone to musicals? Yeah, yeah, I've I've went to a lot of musicals, and I remember I went to the one that it was at the Kennedy Center. It's called the Nutcracker. Oh, the Nutcracker. That's a ballet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a ballet. I also been to a lot of to other musicals, like you know, you know, the opera when when the actors are singing while acting. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that's what I've been as well. Do you like opera? Oh yeah, it's great. I love opera. It's a whole different thing. Yes. And it's very, very descriptive. Have you seen Hamilton? Well, I haven't seen the musical, but I, I have an arrangement of The Room Where It Happens, one of Hamilton's hits. You know, honestly, I could just sit here and ask you to play all this music, and I'm sure our audience would be very happy with that. Can you tell us something about yourself that people may not know and something that's important to you? That's an interesting question. That's really an interesting question. Well, something that's important for me is to be happy and to also listen because listening would help will help you to be able to do what's better for your life and what's better for for you to grow. That's very important for me to do. And something something that people don't know is that well, I, I've told you about my fishing experience, but I've also ride boats with my friends sometimes. I have experience like kayaking and that's that's the thing that I, I didn't describe. It's a really good experience to be able to do it. What do you like about kayaking and fishing? Kayaking, it's it's so peaceful, you know, it's relaxing. I sometimes help with uh, the work to be able to steer the boat and stuff. But other than that, I, I just chill there and have a conversation with whoever is with me at the time. It's very relaxing. Fishing, I think it's really fun because the last times I did it, I was able to hold the fish in my hands and then I was taking a picture with it and then I got to throw it into the water. Okay, so you fish and then you throw the fish back in the water. Yeah, and I touch their tails and and everything. It's a very, very good experience. Uh-huh. I've been to a lot of tournaments with other people that have disabilities. I've went to Connecticut and Hershey, Pennsylvania. For fishing? Yeah, for fishing, yeah. Ah, are you doing any um, fishing this summer that you know of? Yeah, I mean, I'm in, uh, as far as I know, I'm going to be having a competition again. I'm not sure of the exact date, but I'll be having a competition again uh, fishing. Do you like any sports, either to play or follow? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What sports do you like? I love soccer a lot. I'm a huge fan of that sport, and I have a lot of teams in different parts of the world. Yeah, I love Barcelona and... Uh, 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 do you like the Latin American teams? Latin American teams? I have one in Bolivia that I follow a lot. You better. <laughs> yeah, it's called the strongest. The strongest? Yeah. Okay. I, I got to meet actually the players at um the place that they trained. I was in La Paz for like a couple of days. And then I got to, to meet them 
at their training spot, at their training place. And also at the end of the game, I got to go to the field and be with them. It was so insane. <laughs> it was so insane. The whole team is really good. So are there particular announcers that you like um, when you're listening to the game? Announcers? That's a, that's a great question. I usually listen to the radio. Yeah. Are there any broadcasters on the radio whose voice you like better or who give better explanations about what's happening? I don't necessarily have a, a favorite announcer, you know? I look for different radios and I just listen if the announcer is doing great. And then if I'm having fun with it, I listen to it, you know? Yes. I think this is great. Do you play uh, soccer? I used to play soccer when I was like in fourth grade. My friends really adapted a way for me to, to play, you know? Uh-huh. And I, I feel very included for that. And I used to play goalkeeper and uh, striker. Okay. How were you at that? I think I was great. I remember a game that we won 24 nothing, and I scored like 13 goals. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was a really fun thing. So I want to tell the audience that I learned as much as you have done so far in this interview with Jose. We really wanted to interview Jose for a while. We're so fortunate that your schedule and our schedule aligned. So is there anything else that you want to say to our audience before we ask you to play some more music? Well, Judy, it was a pleasure to be able to be and the human perspective once again. And thanks for the invitation. The only thing I would say to, to the audience is to pursue your dreams and always remember to take care of our environment and our nature because that's where we live and humans can contribute in order for the world to be a better place. So God bless everyone. And amen. Okay, what do you want to play for us? Well, this is a tune that I really enjoy by Jimmy Van Heusen. It's called Polka Dots and Moonbeams.
Bravo, thank you. So Jose, I'd like to really thank you for spending time with us today and for sharing your beautiful music and allowing our audience to really learn more about who you are, the contributions that you've made to the world thus far and for all of us to have our imagination of how you're going to continue to improve the world. Thank you very much for the invitation to you, Judy, and to Kylie. I thought it was a great experience to be here. Now it's time for Ask Judy, a segment where Judy answers questions sent in by listeners. So for me, having known Jose since he was seven, and now he's 17, it's so beautiful to see the way his skills have so evolved. I'm sure. Jose's music truly brings me to tears almost, how beautiful his piano playing is. Yes, I love his music because for me, like you, it brings out emotions. Mm -hmm. I love when music makes me cry because it's hitting a certain emotion within me which is not necessarily tangible to discuss. Right. Sometimes it's because something is clearly sad, but sometimes it's just because it's so beautiful. Exactly. And um, that's one of the reasons why I really love his music and can't wait to see the growth and development in him over the coming years. Definitely. It was a real treat to talk to him and especially hear him play. And as many of you probably know, yesterday was also the anniversary of the ADA. Yes. And, you know, this celebration for the 32nd year is not as big as we've had for like the 25th year, the 30th year. But nonetheless, every year needs to be a celebration. Absolutely. To celebrate the ADA anniversary, we're actually going to do two questions this Ask Judy segment. So we have a question about the ADA from at Nat Leaf, that's N-A-T-L-E-E-F on Instagram. And they asked, what is something you want young disabled people to know about life before the ADA passed? Life before the ADA passed was difficult was more difficult before 504 passed. I think we need to understand the distinctions. Section 504, when it became law in 1973, and then the regulations in 1977, required that any entity receiving money from the federal government would no longer be able to discriminate. Just a quick glimpse. Growing up in Brooklyn uh, before 1973, which is when 504 uh, demonstrations began, things like accessible buses, schools, universities, hospitals, curb cuts. There was so much inaccessibility for people with physical disabilities, blindness, deafness, intellectual disabilities. Employment obviously was a very big part of this also, but 504 only covered entities getting money from the federal government. Mm -hmm. It did not cover the private sector. So go to a shopping mall, go to a restaurant, go to any public entity. Accessibility was something that was not guaranteed. And not that it's guaranteed now, even though the laws are in place, but clearly life was made so much more possible after the ADA, not having to worry about were you going someplace that got federal money or not. And of course, I think what's very important is that over the years, we've seen dramatic changes in recognition of people who are deaf, blind, low vision, and people with invisible disabilities. So understanding that people with invisible disabilities are a very significant part of uh, the population of disabled people and how ADA has had a very important impact in their lives. 
particularly in areas like employment and other forms of discrimination. But what's very important for me is the growth of our movement, recognizing that people with visible and invisible disabilities count equally. Mm -hmm. And I have another one from at Heather, I suppose, on Twitter. And she asked, as someone who made the ADA possible, how does it feel watching the ADA generation and the way they are willing to fight for more access and even disability justice? Well, first, for the thousands of disabled people who made the ADA possible in 1990, I'm very proud of being a part of that group. And now I think what's very important is how the uh, generation that was born around the time of the passage of the ADA recognizes that having a law on the books does not mean that it's going to be enforced. And so it's critically important that younger people and others really due diligence to understanding what the law does, what it means, what it means to you, working with people to help ensure that we are fighting to get the law implemented, but also recognizing that the ADA is an anti-discrimination provision. So it's not addressing things like home and community-based services, uh, where people who need personal assistance would be covered and be able to receive financial support to be able to pay for the people who are working. That's one area that we need to do a lot more work in. And I would say in the area of technology, technology, remember in 1990 was new in coming in. So continuing to look at new advances that are being made, making sure that companies are doing due diligence in the development of their technology that's accessible from the beginning and that we're not having to look at litigating because companies didn't do due diligence and uh, produce products that were not accessible. There is so much more that needs to be done. And I guess on a final note in this regard, what's very important is to reach out to other disabled people, people who maybe don't yet acknowledge or understand that they do have a disability, uh, recognizing the importance of the more voices we have that are fighting for justice, the more rapid it will become. And work in coalition with other organizations that are not necessarily disability focused at all to get them to understand how disability is a part of everyone's agenda. Great. Thank you, Judy. And thank you for the questions. If you have a question for Judy, you can send it to us at media at judithhuman.com or reach out to Judy's accounts on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you. That history won't forget us or try to minimize our pain. Thanks for tuning in to The Human Perspective. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also follow Judy on Twitter at Judith Human and on Instagram and Facebook at The Human Perspective. If you want to find out more information about this episode's guests or resources relating to the discussion, check out the description of this episode or visit judithhuman.com. You can also find a shortened video version of this interview on Judy's YouTube channel, dropping a week after this podcast is published. Otherwise, be sure to check back every other Wednesday for a new podcast episode. The intro music for The Human Perspective is Dragon, which is produced and performed by Lachi, Yontero, and Warren. The outro music is I Wait by Galen Lee. And this